So I, 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 I um, um, want to say hello to everybody watching online. And a lot of times I pray for people to get pregnant, and, um, and we all do. And, and um, Zach and Jen, they had a baby. They, they had to pray for them to have a baby. And there's a baby right there. That was two years ago. God bless you, and thanks for, thanks for being here this morning, and God's going to bless you all. Thank you all very much. I want you all to believe God can do that. Amen? Can I give me a hand? I know you all can't see that online, but I just wanted to say hello to them. Okay, uh, turn to James chapter 4, James chapter 4, James chapter 4. Um, and if you are new, we pray for, um, we believe in miracles. And one of the things I love praying for is people to get pregnant who can't get pregnant. And we've seen a lot of people get pregnant. So let's do that real quick. I, it just comes on me. I just want to do it. I just love to see people have babies. Lord, there may be one woman who is um, in one of our campuses watching online. You've been trying to have a baby. And it's not working. I pray in Jesus' name that you would open her womb and, and do it in such a way that they know it was God. And if you know somebody that's not even listening right now, I pray that you would think about them right now and declare their name, this prayer over their name and over their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand for what he's going to do. Come on. Okay. Um, one day this guy had bought this Rolls Royce, uh, $250,000 car. Uh, anybody have a Rolls Royce just so we can? <laughs> gonna, we'll call you later. We'll call you later. <laughs> I've ridden one once like 15 years ago, and it's just a whole different experience. So this guy, he bought this $250,000 Rolls Royce, and he's riding around like a marshmallow. It's just smooth. It's just cool. And, and, he, and he pulls up to this light, and this guy in a, you know, 20-year-old Toyota Corolla pulls up next to him and and jiggles his window down t and tells the guy in the Rolls Royce, roll your window down. So the guy in the Rolls Royce goes, window down. And the window goes down. <laughs> he goes, what's up? He says, oh, you think you're cool in that car? He goes, this is a $250,000 Rolls Royce. I got 2nd Corinthian and 1st Corinthian leather. <laughs> <laughs> Only Bible people know what that means. I got a DVD, uh, HD, HBO, uh, ADD, ESPN, all up in this car. Uh, you know, everything's from Italy uh, or Germany, wherever it's made. And, and, and he said, you, are you kidding me? You're in a, I don't even know what year that is. You got smoke coming out of the back of your car. And so the guy in the Toyota says, well, you don't have a bed in that car. And he drives off. And so the guy in the Rolls Royce said, hey, I paid 250 grand. I don't have a bed in my car. So he goes up to the dealer and says, hey, man, I, you know, I, I know I paid $250,000 for the car. I got 1 Corinthian leather in the front, 2 Corinthian leather in the back. I got a DVD, ABD, and, but I don't have a bed. He says, no one puts a bed in the car. I said, look, I saw a guy in a 30-year-old Toyota Corolla. He had a bed in his car. I want a bed in my car. You know, Mrs. Jones, that's not practical. He said, listen, I paid $250,000. I should, I should have a bed. So he just put the bed in the car. I'll be back. Call me when it's ready. So they... they Jigger, you know, jack the back out and, you know, lay it down. He comes back a month later and says, Mrs. Smith and Mrs. Jones, whatever the guy's name is, it's not a true story, I'm just making it up. He says, uh, <laughs> do you have a, do you have, here's your bed, press the button, boom, bed down, boom, bed up, now you're good, you're happy? He goes, yeah, I'm happy, I've got my bed in my car. So he goes driving around town looking for the guy in the Toyota Corolla. <laughs> Weeks go by and he's in this parking lot at night and then he sees the Toyota Corolla underneath the light. The, the car's running, he can see the exhaust coming out, he figures the guy's there, sleeps there, because, you know, it looks like a, a junk of car. He goes up to the car, he rolls down his window, yo, 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 and he calls the car, and the guy in the Toyota Corolla jiggles the window down and says, what? 
He goes, Joe, man, I'm the guy in the Rolls Royce. He said, oh, yeah, you're the guy that doesn't have the bed in the car. He said, I got a bed for my car. What do you think about that? And the guy in the Toyota Corolla says, you got me out of the shower to tell me that? <laughs> James chapter 4, verse 14. Stay with me. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desire for pleasure, that war in your members? Where do frustrations come from? Discomfort and, and even pain. They come from unmet desires and expectations in our life. It says, where do wars come from? Next, next verse. You lust. Lust is actually a strong desire. It's not only sexual. It's just you can lust after money or you lust after power. It's a strong desire. You lust and do not have or you want really bad something. And you do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain, you fight and war, yet you do not have because you don't ask God, right? And it's not saying God's going to give you everything, but God will give you peace. If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, peace, love, joy, patience, and your substances will, will be given to you. You ask and do not have, you ask and then you receive uh, do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Then you ask God, God, I want that. And you don't get it because God knows your heart is wrong. Disappointment and pain come from unmet desires. Here's this guy who spent $250,000 on his car. He thought he had the best and the best of the best. And yet this other guy had something he didn't have. And then he said, I got to have that. And then he said, I got to have that. And he was never satisfied because he had this desire, expectation that he was supposed to have it all. The reason you and I have pain in our life, the reason you and I have discomfort in our life is because we want something we're not getting. And one of the ways you can eliminate a lot of the pain in your life is stop wanting stuff. <laughs> now, I, I, you might be like, what does that mean? That means that you say to God, God, whatever you have for me, that's okay. Whatever you have for me. Part, you know, part of the thing I'm going to talk about next week kind of is related to this, kind of is that we start getting worked up in our head about stuff and that's not even true. And we want stuff, we want stuff, we go after stuff. And if you would just say, if we could just settle in our heart, God, whatever you have for me, if anything I've learned through COVID <laughs> is to let go of stuff. I mean, my wife almost died. I got sick for seven weeks. The, uh, the, the church was shut down for I don't know how many months. And God just took a bunch of stuff away. He said, don't close your hand anymore. Because if you live like this, you're holding on to something. You ever say, yeah, like a little kid, and you try to take a, kid, a toy out of a kid's hand, and they're like, it's just, and they won't, they won't let it go. And it's just a toy. I mean, it, my, my grandson, he comes to our house and looks at stuff he doesn't even remember he used to cry about. That's your toy. That's, that, well, it's really my toy, but I let you use it, but you thought it was your toy, and you were tripping. Now you can't even remember that you played with it. How many of y'all remember, how many of y'all have grown up and then you see that old girlfriend or that old boyfriend from back in the day and you're like, what? <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> well, guess what? They think the same thing about you. <laughs> you sit there going, you, you all jacked up. And they're like, yeah, you all jacked up. If y'all could just talk to each other, y'all would just be, you know, be good, be good. Um, last week, uh, three weeks ago, we started a series called Do Something. Everybody say do something. We talked about the plan of doing something. Count, walk, ask, love. Count, take a numerical assessment of the pain. How many homeless people? How many people, um, how many bars and nightclubs? How many people in convalescent home? Count, walk to them. Ask, how can I help you? How can I pray for you? I don't know how many of y'all been to Starbucks and you pray for somebody in Starbucks. When you buy your frap, pay the money and then ask, can I pray for you? 
Just try it. Count, walk, ask, how can I help you? And then response is love. Everyone say love. Then we talked about the purpose is to build the kingdom of God. The purpose we do something is to build the kingdom of God. Then we talked about the power to do something. Today we're going to talk about the pain associated with doing something for God. If you are going to do something for God, if you are going to do something significant in the kingdom of God, you're going to experience pain. I'm going to say it again. As soon as you say, Lord, I surrender my life to you and I want to follow you, uh, that journey will involve pain. Well, why would I get saved? Well, newsflash. If you don't say, God, I'm going to follow you, you will experience pain. The difference is this. This pain, God's walking with you. The other one, he's not. <laughs> this pain, you get, to, you, get to, you get to go through it with the wisdom of God and the grace of God on your life. The other one is just beat you down. This pain is going to build you up. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 to 10. Watch this. Concerning, this is Paul speaking. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might be depart from me. He was experiencing a thorn in the flesh. Pain. And he was like, God, please take this from me. Please take this from me. And then it says, he pleaded three times. And he said, this is what God said to him. My grace, my undeserved favor is sufficient for you. For my strength, everyone say strength. My power will be made perfect in your weakness. Ooh, when you are weak, that's when you are strong. If you are saying, Lord, I, listen, if you ever say, well, I can't, God, I can't, God, that's where God's strength comes in. Because as long as you're taking charge, God will say, okay, I'll step in the back. But as long as you say, Lord, I will decrease while you increase in my life, then more power comes in your life. And so if you're going through something right now that's hard, step back. Let God go first. And watch what God does. It, it will be a rewarding experience. Uh, Jesus was adamant. Jesus was adamant that pain was an integral part of his life. Jesus was adamant. Ah, next one. Keep going. Keep going. Jesus was adamant <laughs> that his suffering was critical to accomplish what he was sent to do. Look at these, look at these verses. Number one, uh, this is why he said to Peter, um, Satan, get behind me. Jesus said, I am going to die. Peter said, no, we don't want you to. He said, get behind me, Satan. I have to die. I have to suffer. It's part of the plan because me suffering and dying is payment for your heart, all the world's horrible sin. It's part of the plan. And Jesus came knowing that. The next one, it says that uh, as the great high priest, he learned obedience and identified without pain firsthand. Jesus came as a man and learned and experienced the pain of being a human. Next one. As <clears throat> the suffering servant, by his stripes we were healed. By his stripes... Physical stripes on his back where they whipped him 39 times with nine leather straps. Um, by his stripes, we were healed. It was necessary that he suffer. And the last one, it says, as a bondservant who died obediently, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to him as Lord. Because he humbled himself and became a man. Humbled himself from heaven and became a man and died. The Father is going to exalt him and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Know this. Whether people believe in God or not, they will say Jesus is Lord. 
It's going to happen. It's going to happen. When we all, when we all, uh, I don't know if you ever traveled internationally. I'm not a big fan. I like the U.S. of A., but, you know, you got to go through customs. And when you, I always get nervous with customs. I'm not, I have no, no contraband, no, nothing illegal on me. I just always get nervous at customs. And I'm like, just get me through this line. Just don't ask me any questions. Just take my passport. That's the power. I may not get back into Estados Unidos. <laughs> and no matter who you are, you got to know that that person, whether it's a guy or girl, whatever, they're sitting back there between the, 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 the passport thing, that they are the boss. And it's like, they, they could, as a matter of fact, I went, I think it was, uh, uh, um, it was either Canada or, or uh, uh, some, uh, somewhere, I got taken into the back room. I, I was like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And, and, and I, I, I don't even remember. I probably blacked out. It's probably the reason I don't remember what happened. And obviously I got out. But I'm like, man, this dude scared me. You went to Singapore. It's like in Singapore, if you spit on the ground, they send you to jail. Anybody been to Singapore? Anybody not been to Singapore? Okay, let me tell you about Singapore. Singapore is the most beautiful place I've ever been in my life. There's no trash. No homeless people. Zero. Everywhere you go, it's like a garden. Beautiful, perfect. It's, it's almost eerie. It's like a movie. It's like, this is not real. And I was leaving, and I said to the lady at the, at the, at the airport, this is a beautiful city. She said, there's too many rules. <laughs> For real, if you spit gum on the street, you'll get arrested. It's like, mm. right? So I'm walking around going, okay, I'll make sure I know all the rules. <laughs> One day, you are going to stand before God, and you are going to be powerless. Because he suffered, he will be exalted to that role. Now, he's, of course, he's already exalted, but he came, died, and rose. What about you and me? Number one, as conquerors, we are conquerors. Say you are conqueror. Say conqueror. Every single one of you that has Christ in your life, you have conquered death because God has forgiven you of your sin. Come on, come on, give, give Amen. As conquerors, we can be confident that nothing can snatch us from God's hand. Say, nothing can snatch you from God's hand. Everyone put your fist up in the air. And this is not, not, this is not a, a solidarity fist. This is God's hand holding on to you. Nothing can snatch you from God's hand. Nothing's going to take you out of God's hand. Look what it says. Look what the Bible says. The Bible says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing. Tribulation. How many of y'all going through tribulation? It ain't going to snatch you from God's hand. Distress, how many of y'all distress? It ain't gonna snatch you from God's hand. Persecution, how many of y'all persecuted? It ain't gonna snatch you from God's hand. Famine, how many of y'all famine? Oh, by the way, uh, you don't know famine, but I suspect it's coming. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Nakedness, peril, sword. Nothing. As it is written, for you, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. He's saying, we are suffering on your behalf. Look what it says next. And then it says, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You and I will never, nothing will ever snatch us out of God's hand because we are conquerors. The devil wants you to think you are fighting for victory. He doesn't want you to know you are fighting from victory. You've already won. God's already forgiven you. You're already his child. You are a conqueror. And so no matter what you're going through, the devil's trying to scare you. You know the only thing that separates you from the love of God? is you. 
It's you. And what I mean by that, it doesn't mean that God won't love you, but you can actually walk away from experiencing the love of God. You could actually say, God, I can't take this anymore. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to try to follow you anymore. I'm not going to try to be godly anymore. I'm not going to try to be biblical. I'm not going to try to be humble. I'm not going to try to be graceful. I'm going to be, I'm going to do me because I'm tired of this pain. That's the only thing that can defeat and separate you from experiencing and walking in the love of God is you. And so as you're going through something right now, if you realize that your feelings, mostly your behavior, your words, your perspective is not biblical, it may be because you have turned your back on trusting God. I'm going to tell you, you will always learn more through your pain than your pleasure. I'm going to say it three times. That's once. You will always learn more through your pain than your pleasure. That's twice. Say it with me. You will always learn more through your pain than your pleasure. You will always benefit more from your pain as long as you keep trusting God and you stay close to God. Number two, look at the next one. It says, as God's children, pain produces righteousness in our lives. Why? Because it draws us to the Father. There's a... Um, Hall of Fame football coach named Tony Dungy. Anybody remember Tony Dungy's name? Raise your name if you know, if you know that name. Okay, Tony Dungy uh, won a Super Bowl with the Indianapolis Colts. His, one of his sons has a rare um, neurological disease called congenital insensitivity to pain. Like three people in the U.S. have had this. And his son is one of them. Which means that the receptors in his, he doesn't, his neurons, there's a, there's a blockage between his, his cells and his brain. So he can actually touch an oven, cookies in the oven, eat them and feel no pain because he doesn't have any, he doesn't feel pain. Now you may think, well, that's, that's a great thing. You don't feel pain. Uh-uh. Because he he, his mother will be cooking cookies and she has to make sure she's watching him because he likes the cookies hot or he likes the cookies. So he figured if they're good on the plate, they're good in the oven, he'll open the oven, grab the pan out of the oven hot, take the cookie and put it in his mouth and not feel anything. One of the purposes of pain is to teach us right from wrong and also to drive us to the Father. How many times have you talked to people and they're like, I can't take this anymore. I have all these problems in my life. Oh, what are you doing about it? I'm praying all day. I'm reading the Bible all day. I'm going to church. I'm listening to sermons. And I'm thinking, that sounds like a good plan. You're doing what? I'm praying all day. I'm reading the Bible. I'm memorizing scripture. I'm listening to sermons. Well, what's wrong with that? And as soon as the pain goes away, what happens? You don't pray anymore all day anymore. You don't read the Bible all day anymore. You don't even go to church, much less listen to sermons online. Pain will drive you to the Father. And when he drives you to the Father, you become like the Father. Whatever you're going through right now, and I tell this to people all the time who are going through stuff, horrible stuff. To me, the million dollar question is, how is God using it to make you more like him? What are you learning about being more like him? And if you can identify that and say, God, I'm learning to be more patient. God, I'm learning to be more humble. God, I'm learning to be, I'm learning to slow down. Lord, I'm learning to think of others. Lord, I'm, I'm learning to go low. Everyone say go low. Very just, I'm just learning to go low. 
I'm learning to decrease so you can increase in my life. Those are all great lessons because God is more, in, in, more interested in you being holy than happy. Oh, snap. I'm going to say that again. Oh, snap. You might want to write this down. God is more interested in you being holy than happy. All you married people, raise your hand in the air like you just don't care. Go ahead. Raise your hand. If you're married, raise your hand. Come on. If you're married, raise your hand. Okay. If you're single, raise your hand. Okay, we got a whole bunch of single people in here. Okay, for all y'all married people, you might, I'm going to give me a wife, I'm going to give me a husband, I'm going to be happy, they're going to make me happy. No, 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 no. <laughs> Newsflash. That's not their purpose. That's not their purpose. No, this is, this is, this is very important. If you're single, raise your hand. You want to get this down before you get married. Your spouse's purpose is not to make you happy. That's either a spouse that ain't getting happy or making happy. I don't know what that. <laughs> Amen. Here's my thing. Here's my thing. This is a whole sermon, by the way. My wife's sitting right here. My, my wife's job is not to make me happy, and she does a great job at her job. <laughs> <laughs> Our relationship is designed to make us holy. And, and do, we, do we try to make each other happy and bless each other? Yeah, 100%, 100%. But if, if you think that your spouse is to make you happy, what you will translate that into is they're supposed to do what you want. They're supposed to do what God wants. And so a lot of times you ain't going to like that. So God's job, his job, God's not here to make you happy. He's here to make you holy. And sometimes making you holy means allowing you to go through some hard times. But it's only going to make you holy if in that hard time you trust him. You surrender to him. Number three, um, as God's beloved, we share in Christ's glory when we suffer. There's something in you that can come out and impact other people. It's the glory of God. Um, I, one day I was um, uh, eating a bagel. I was preparing a bagel on my counter. And all of a sudden, I saw the bagel doing this. And I was looking at it and an ant was carrying, these ants were carrying a bagel. This is not a true story, but work with me. I always want to tell you it's not true just so we can be on the same page, okay? And these ants were taking my bagel and then they were taking pieces into this little crack in the tile. Because if you got a little crack, ants will go, they're, they're amazing. They'll come from, you know, Texas. They'll walk all the way to Texas to your house. So this ant's doing this. So I'm like, this is not good. So I, I swatted the bagel and the ants off the counter and the ant falls down all the way 20 stories to the floor. The bagel falls on top of the ant and the bagel crushes the ant, crimps it all up. I'm like, yeah, that's right, that's right. I'm yelling at the ant. And then the ant, like, I'm looking at the ant, yelling at the ant. And then all of a sudden the ant started pop-locking and popped out. <laughs> grabbed the bagel, carried the bagel up the front of the counter all the way to the hole and started eating the bagel. I'm like, you got it. That's your bagel. Go ahead, take it. <laughs> this is true. Ants can carry 35 times their weight. 
Now, we cannot. We can carry mm, one time our weight. 35 times their weight. There's, there's something in you that's greater than you can ever ask or imagine. It's the glory of God. And often you will never know that until you go through something that purifies all the other junk out of your life. And often we think that it's all about this strength, it's all about physical things, it's all about money, it's all about what we can see. And God says, there's something in you that's so great that it will only come out when you surrender reliance on all those other things. And so, as God's beloved, we share in Christ's glory when we, we experience Christ's glory when we suffer. We see the glory of God. Oh my gosh. Right before my mother died, and I remember both being with both my parents when they died, there's something spiritual about that moment. And I'm telling you, when you suffer, surrendering everything in the seen leaves you with the unseen. And number four, as a saint, we are comforted so we can comfort others. If you are going through something and have gone through something hard and God has comforted you, God did not only comfort you for you. He comforted you for who you're going to use that comfort for. Look at this verse. This verse is so often. I want you to watch how many times the word comfort or a derivative of comfort is used. It's going to be five. I'm going to say five. Watch this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies, and the God of what? That's once. Then it says, who comforts twice us in all our tribulation, all, I would say all, that we may be able to comfort, that's three times, those who are in any trouble. And then it says, with the comfort, that's four, with which we were comforted by. That's five times. Five times. So you go through pain, you get comfort, you can wipe it all like lotion. Ooh, this feels good. I'm comforted. Woo, feel good. Ah, ah. And then you're like, good. God says, no, no, I want you to take that bottle. I want you to go help with somebody else with it. How are you going to turn your pain into? How are you going to turn your pain into a ministry opportunity? Um, my third year with the Chargers, I was—I finally was a starter, and it was the fourth game of the year. I was a free safety, I playing the Raiders at the Coliseum, and Monday Night Football. This was like it. I went to heaven. I made it, and uh, um, and so there was this particular play where I was supposed to—I uh, was going to make an interception. So I—I I came, ran up to jump. I did jump. I jumped up to get the ball, and I, I went up about maybe 30, 30, 40 feet. Um, <laughs> and the stadium lights got in my eyes. I, there was birds up there. I, I had a bird. So as I got the ball and I was coming back down, one of my players was running in the opposite direction, and he had a cast on his arm. And he was 6'5", 250 pounds, and he's running in the opposite direction, and his cast... He was running, you know, like this, and his cast hit my knee. I did a 360, and I was in surgery two days later. So I'm on the bus um, next to the surgeon who's going to operate on me. We rode from L.A. to San Diego for two hours. And I had my leg up. He's sitting by the window. I got my leg up with ice on my leg, and God said, what you going to do? You got him for two hours. He can't go anywhere. Your leg's up. You're his patient. He's got to stay with you. Your leg is up. He can't get out. You got, you got him two hours. What you going to do? I talked about Jesus for two hours. Now, 
I said, look, Doc, my, you know my career's over, and here's why, blah, 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 here's all the politics, blah, 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 I had my own shot. And, uh, um, but guess what? My life's not over. I got Jesus in my life, and, and what about you? And you've been doing a lot of surgery, you've been working hard, I've been seeing you, and, and, I, and I witnessed him for two hours. Did he get saved? No, it don't matter. So here's my question. How are you using the comfort? God comforted me in that moment. He said, I got you. I got you. Your life's not over. That was 1984. That was, what, 38 years ago. Your life's not over. It may seem like that now. But this is, this is just now a turning point. We're, just not, we're turning direction now. We're going to do something different. This is the start of that. Cool. What are you going to do with yours? Are you going to allow God to do it? Use your pain as a turning point in your life. I want you to take out this communion, all the campuses, take out this communion cup. Whenever you hear the music play, that means we're coming to an end. <laughs> if you have a communion cup in all the campuses, just pick it up. Remember next week, Bring your most negative thought. Bring a friend. Bring something to write with. And you can just type it on your phone, obviously. You can take the wafer out of the top. As they were eating, Jesus took the bread and blessed it and broke it. And we'll say broke it. And he said, take, eat, this is my body. My body will be broken. That's pain. We all know he was beat, spit on, crucified. Not only physically, but he was rejected by his own people, denied by his closest disciple betrayed by another disciple. He was hurt in every which way you can imagine. Physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually. Father, my father, why have you forsaken me? But he had to go all through that, through all that, to accomplish what God had in his life. Lord, we thank you that you did that and we take this acknowledging that if we are going to do something powerful in your kingdom to make a difference in the world, it's going to involve discomfort, unmet expectations, pain. I pray you give us the courage to walk into it and to learn from it. In Jesus' name, amen. took the cup and gave thanks and said, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. Lord, we thank you that your blood cleanses us. And I pray that we would, be, would, remember, we would remember that nothing can separate us from the love of God, that we are conquerors, we are your children. We are blessed, we are anointed, we are chosen. 
I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Lord, I pray that you would stir our heart to be doers of the word, not just hearers. I pray, especially based on what we just heard from your spirit, and everybody heard something hopefully specific to their life, that we will welcome the lesson that discomfort, unmet expectations and pain brings us. And we will grow from it, learn from it, become more like Jesus from it, not more like Satan. Thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen.